0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values.
1: Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. We are, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad to welcome in our good friend, Lindsay West from St. Rose in Roseville. Lindsay, did I get your parish right?
0: Yeah, well, you know, we also, St. Clair, we're blessed to have a couple of amazing parishes uh, in Roseville. So, um, yeah. But good
2: to hear from you and and talk with you, Bob. It's
1: been a while. Yes, it has been a while. It's been way too long, as they say. Tell us us a little bit about uh, what ministry you're in right now.
0: Well, you know, so... um, I am actually a school teacher now, um, and which I still view in some ways as a ministry. Um, it sure is. And just so, <laughs> uh, you know, it's at a public school and um, trying to focus on on family and and my domestic church right now. So um, you know, still doing advocacy for inclusive ministry um, as I can, um, but just. In a season of life right now, where I've been called away from like a formal, right, um, like youth ministry right now. Well,
1: you're never called away from the domestic church, though.
2: No, no.
1: Mm-mm. I remember uh, at ministry days uh, a few years ago, being a presenter on the domestic church. Um, I guess they were desperate, and, <laughs> and 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 had one of my daughters there with me, and and uh, she was probably about a fifth grader. And just learned so much in in the presenting. People kept raising their hands, saying, "Well, when our in our house, we do this, you know." And it was it was it it was such it was just such valuable information, you know how to how to keep your kids engaged, how to you know spread the faith to your kids, uh, largely by example, but but some real practical things too, you know. And um, so the domestic church is always so important. You, you're going to present at ministry days the missing Mm -hmm. parts of the body of Christ, including everyone in youth and young adult ministry. And I know that the diocese is is very big on this.
0: Yeah, as as they should be. And thankfully, you know, they're really trying to, I think, create um, a platform and a voice for um, inclusive ministry and trying to support our parishes. So I'm really excited to be able to present and that— you know, I think for, for a while now, the diocese has really um, had on its heart this, you know, looking around and seeing who's missing from the table. And uh, unfortunately, at times, um, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have, you know, various disabilities or um, who are what we call um, neurodivergent, so just their brains work um, kind of a little bit differently than maybe typical brains, right? Um, it, it's sometimes hard for um, them to participate in our parish life, the liturgical life mm-hmm. um, of our church um, and, and so yeah but you know Bishop the diocese has really had a part for a while of how can we support our parishes to make sure that we are um, acknowledging and including um, and ensuring that our, parishes are a space for everyone, including, including our narrative divergent brothers and
1: sisters in Christ. Well, you so I'm
0: excited to speak about it for youth and adult ministry specifically,
1: what we can do. Well, in the, in the little blurb in the, uh, the uh, brochure for ministry days, uh, you note that Pope Francis reminds us that it is the responsibility of the entire church to make sure that every young person is accompanied in their faith and vocational discernment, but so many young people are missing from our youth and young adult ministry efforts. How can we better invite and include teens and young adults with disabilities in youth programming? And what unique gifts does this group have to offer the church? Uh, we have we have a daughter who has been diagnosed with various. Uh, what's the term you used again? Neuro. I I heard that term for the first time just the other day. And um that's a, i think that's a good description and and but yeah. the thing that that we've learned is it's she's very hard to diagnose some people are are much easier to diagnose it doesn't mean th- the outcome is better or worse or anything but but some people it's it's like well it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and there's some stuff here we haven't really seen before you know and mm-hmm. but in any regard she needs to be fully accepted fully participating in everything and sometimes it's a struggle sometimes it's a struggle for her sometimes struggle for us uh sometimes it's a struggle for whoever she's dealing with but um we've in our experience had some very good people uh that we've met along the way well
2: and i'm glad
0: that you guys have had that experience and, and that's so wonderful i know we've we've been blessed to have that experience as well we, we have neurodivergence in our household as well, um, within our family. Um, and that was what kind of first clued me into trying to see this different perspective and, and seeing how, you know, like it, it opened me up to this community of other, like, parents in particular, mm-hmm. um, as well as also just seeing, um, you know, neurodiver- various neurodivergent. Communities, whether that was ADHD or autism, or there's there's lots of different sort of diagnoses that would be considered neurodivergence, and just seeing where there was at times, unfortunately, you know, families or individuals who didn't have that experience and who were hurt, and that you know there was um, I can't tell you how many you know families I had heard. Um, not just, you know, Catholics, but including Catholics who said, you know, we really kind of have just given up on, on, like, religion, and, like, we Mm -hmm. believe in God, but in terms of practicing religion, because we just don't feel welcomed or included. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. broke my heart, you know, hearing that and reading that and talking with these, you know, individuals. And so, you know, Pope Francis is, you know, a 1,000% correct, but even since the, like, late or since the 1970s, I forget if it was 1973 or 1978, with um, the U.S. Catholic bishops put out this pastoral statement on including people with disabilities. Now, if you go look this up and read it, keep in mind that this is the 1970s, and so some of the language we would not
2: use um, in
0: present. So just be prepared that our modern sensibilities might be, you know, a little like, oh, we wouldn't say that word now or or whatnot. But the, the message was clear, right, is that, you know, they, that people with disabilities are brothers and sisters in Christ, and in um, baptism they, they, they have a claim, you know, to um, the sacraments as part of their baptismal right, in, the in the same way. not like a claim in the sense of, like, we're owed, but they they are a member of the body of Christ. Um, it, it's not like we're making space for for you know, these outsiders, they are us. We are the same, even though our brains might be different or work a little differently or think a little differently. Um, and so, you know, this has been, that has been the message of the church for 50 years, so um, in, in her wisdom, right? So, um, and it's amazing to see where that's going in this day and age now. The more we understand, like, no like you said, that was a term, you somewhat recently heard, right? And we're starting to have this better understanding of these these differences, but at the same time that we're also brothers and sisters in Christ. And how can we, what does it look like to support each other and make sure that, you know, our our worship, our community functions, our sacramental preparation, our um, formation ministries, are all accessible to all of our
1: brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and uh, we're all his children. So uh, I, I remember <clears throat> it, it, it was one of those cases that was in the news maybe 10 years ago, something like that. I believe it was a church in Minnesota. I don't think it was a Catholic church. I mean, it could have been, it, but it, it, that wasn't what was relevant about it. But it was, it was a... A, a kid who had severe, I guess, outbursts, um, involuntary outbursts at quote-unquote inappropriate times during service, you know, and th- then the 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 church community was was divided, you know, just divided, like like well, you just can't, you, we're sorry, you can't bring him to church. And right. and the other half is saying, well, you, of course you can bring him to church. You got to bring him to church. I mean, this isn't any any fault of his own. He's not acting up. He's not, you know. But it was very disruptive, you know. And it was like you could sort of see it from both sides. But but most of your sympathy was on the kid's side. And and, and I was thinking about the kid and the parents and how I don't even know how it was resolved. But it it was one of those things that made the news, you know and And I -hmm. I think really brought to light, you know, that that this is probably not – there are probably a lot of those kids that are staying home that didn't make the news because the parents just said, we we don't want to deal with this. We don't want to deal with the other people staring at us or complaining or anything else. And so we're just going to keep our son or daughter home. Yeah, you know, I think
0: parents, right, um, speaking from like a parent's perspective – there's so much advocacy that you do for your, your child to give them support. To,
2: right, to, right. To help
0: them and support them, and, you know, just in your day to day life. And then, and when they're school age, a lot of times, you know, parents are having to advocate for appropriate and sufficient support. Tremendously for so. I,
1: I know you know it, and we know it.
0: You, right. So then, you know, you could see where, as, as a parent, right, you would be um, just done and just so like tried and not have that energy to then go oh and now I have to like how hard do I have to advocate for my church to include my child right. in this you know um, so um, that's why I'm always happy to hear where you know there are parishes and people and ministries that um, you know they're like yeah like absolutely you're welcome here you know we're making sure that you know this faith formation ministry this youth ministry our young adult ministry is accessible and um welcoming and inclusive like it's part of our identity is that everyone including being mindful of you know youth or young adults who have these neurological differences right or disabilities that they are part of our community and and we're we're missing a piece of us when they're not here
2: Right. Um, you know, and
0: that's really, it, it comes from that First Corinthians chapter 12 about the many parts of Christ, and I know St. Paul's talking about, like, the different gifts that people have, but I think there's this interesting part that, you know, I hadn't really focused on a lot or paid attention to until I, I looked at it in this light of, of neurodivergence about, you know, Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. Mm-hmm. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we surround with great honor, and are less presentable are treated with greater propriety. So um, just that idea of in the world, which sees people for their quote-unquote usefulness, right, or how how much they can blend in and, and their typicalness, um, you know, the, the world values that, but what our faith says is, like, that those who, who aren't typical, who um, the world may not see value in, like, everybody has that dignity as a, as a child of God. And we, and we value and esteem them even greater as, as church.
1: With, so, with Jesus as our example, look at all the people he worked with and helped. Um, he, didn't, he didn't discriminate.
0: So, I mean, I think that's really, like, what what we're doing is we're just trying to, um, you know, with, like, ministry days and this this um, workshop is to provide some practical tools and some practical ways because I think it's on, especially in the same age, it's on so many more people's hearts and, like, radar screens, like, to, to be inclusive and to make those um, adjustments within, like, their faith formation ministries, the young adult ministries, so that they can really be fully inclusive. They, I think they are understanding that, like, you know, not only is it that we have these individuals who aren't present, and so we're not serving them, but really our communities are also missing what these individuals have to bring, um, their unique perspectives, their unique experiences, the ways God is working through them as they are. And so I think that's on people's hearts. And so with this workshop, you know, we're really trying to give some practical tools and steps so that our ministry leaders can make this a reality in a practical way in their parishes.
1: Lindsay, very good. Very, very good description. The ministry days, Saturday, the 23rd. Uh, this workshop among many and you can you get to pick them uh 1 15 to 2:15 p.m uh go to ministrydays.com to sign up and read all about it uh lindsey always a joy to talk with you uh hopefully it will be more often in the future
0: likewise that would be awesome bob good Thank, t- thanks good so much
1: you. god bless you, you and your family that's uh lindsey west too uh just a, uh just a, a great person with uh, a uh, a great message uh here about uh, inc- including people you know n- neurodivergent is the, the term that that people are using now i think that's a good term and a uh, uh, a way to to be more inclusive of uh, those people uh in our church setting in the in the diocese of sacramento and the usccb are very much on board with that very much uh dealing with with um, coming up with solutions to to include everybody. We'll take a quick break, back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town, is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning thanks James uh, for that wonderful introduction. thanks for all that the uh, Choral Society Orchestra does here in the Diocese of Sacramento. You know I got a, a uh, great book The Wisdom of the saints three hundred and sixty five days of in- inspiration uh it's a beautiful beautiful book from uh, dynamiccatholic dot com and uh, uh, june uh, let's see uh, let's find let's find uh, some some September here um, and the wisdom of the saints, uh, September 12. And while we sing this is from St. Cecilia. And while we sing, remembering to sing is to double pray. And once in our hearts and our tongues, we offer double prayer sent heavenward on winged notes to praise God dwelling there. Remember that the next time you're in mass and you don't want to be among the people singing. Well, we are just pleased and honored to welcome in our good friend, Father Michael Kiernan, uh, who is the, Chaplain, among other hats, is the chaplain at uh, Beale Air Force Base. Uh, Father, good day to you.
3: A good day to you, Bob, and all your listeners today. Uh, hope you're all uh, being blessed as you God wants to bless you. So uh, nice to be with you, yeah.
1: Now, you are now entering into the second 50 years of your ministry.
3: Yes, I am, actually. I was over at Mercy Hospital anointing somebody a little while ago, and the lady said to me, weren't you at St. Joseph's in Reading?
1: <laughs> wow.
3: And I said, uh, she said, yes. And she said, when was that? I said, 100 years ago. <laughs> oh, she said, I remember it well. <laughs>
1: and she said, you haven't changed a bit.
3: You haven't changed a bit. She said, you look a little younger than you did then. But other than that, she said, you look like your real self. And we talked <laughs> about Monsignor John O'Connor, who was my pastor then, Right. all those 50 years ago in 1973 uh so we had a lovely discussion uh and she knew a lot of people of course that, that i knew then and that was uh, just an interesting thing uh, uh sort of part of an anointing for her mother who was dying hmm. to uh have a nice chat with her afterwards about and remember uh long ago and good times.
1: you know I've, I've learned two things as i've gotten older uh uh, from, you know, high school reunions and those kinds of things. Um, first off, they need name tags at those events. But but uh, when someone comes up to you that you haven't seen for a long time and they say, oh, you're looking good, it means you're not. Out, yeah. <laughs> and when they say, you haven't changed a bit, it means you have.
3: <laughs> yes, yes, big time, yeah. Yeah. You poor old thing, what happened to you? <laughs> you know, what, yeah, instead
1: of, yeah, you said, You don't look at all like yourself, Bob. You look much older. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, if if you really hadn't changed, it wouldn't even come to their mind. (laughs) You know.
3: Yeah. And of course, they haven't changed a bit. They haven't
1: changed a bit either. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah.
3: It depends on who changed the most, maybe. You know. Yeah. Some people, it's amazing how they do change, and some people, amazing how they don't change. it, it, Certainly, time takes its toll.
1: Th- that is true. There's there are some people that uh, that they're ageless wonders, if you will. You look at them and you go, uh, "We were in high school together. Look at him, you know, or look at her. They're, they're, they didn't they, they didn't age. What happened? What are they? they they're drinking the magic juice or something. Bullhocks,
3: my boy. Botox, my boy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and God knows what else. You know, uh, I was talking to a. A friend of mine not too long ago, and he said, You know, sometimes he said, A lot of the people I know, I think they're at this point 90% (laughs) artificial. They're like almost everything on their body changed in some way, shape, or form between operations and
1: and, uh, they're all bionic now.
3: So, So anyway, no, it's
1: it's funny. I I, I wake up in the morning and. uh, Uh, I've discovered a new muscle or a new joint and and I discovered it because it hurts, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yes,
3: indeed, indeed, yeah. But good that you're able to wake up in the morning. Well, see, that's, that's the good (laughs) thing. That's the good thing.
1: And and I got a wonderful family around me to keep me young and, uh, um, you know, another, another day the Lord has made and, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I somebody I just had a birthday and somebody says, well, how's it feel to be so old? You know, and I said, well, uh, I was born on the day that God wanted me to be born. And I'm not one to second guess God. This that, that's that's where he, that's the day he wanted me born. He doesn't want me to be 18 right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, uh, how, okay. uh, you know, I, in God's wisdom, that's when I was born. And that's that's. That's the way it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, I, th- I thank the good Lord every, for, for every day. I, I tell my kids that. And I say, you know, if, if you look in the mirror and you're still here, there's a reason. There's a good reason. And, and you know, go out and spread the good word because you, ne- you never know, as, as, the, as the good book says, you know, tomorrow's not promised.
3: Saint Ignatius used to pray, I thank you, God, for always being with me, but especially I'm grateful that you are with me right now. Yep. God, let the Holy Spirit enlighten my mind and warm my heart that I may know where and how we have been together this day. Wow.
1: No wonder he's Saint Ignatius.
3: Yes, indeed, the old general, after all his ups and downs and false and failings and sins and mistakes and so on. uh, But God uh, worked with him and uh, brought him to a great and holy and beautiful life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I I think it's one of the things that, you know, people say, well, how come we do, you know, why, how come we go through all this, this sainthood stuff, the, the, you know, the beatification and, 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 et cetera. Uh, and, yeah, so you know, the, the, as examples, I mean, so, sometimes the example is so powerful, like like Maximilian Colby, that you you think, boy, could I ever could I ever live up to that? But uh, in other ways, like you're just saying with St. Ignatius, it it shows that uh, people can go far astray and come back, and and be a, 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 just a positive influences in the world. So I think the studying the lives of the saints is really, really a, a good exercise for all of us.
3: Well, indeed, and we know better than uh, St. Peter himself, you know, the first pope. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know of anything other than him. Yep. Well, nobody had the opportunity, actually, to straightforward up to your face, you know. I do not even know the man. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm swearing here. I do not know the man. Uh, yeah. What are you saying, woman? I don't even know this fellow. Uh, so, I mean, uh, it's one thing to, uh, I mean, that was an amazing uh, And as uh, Bishop uh, Wegan I remember when we were in the Holy Land, him and I years ago, he said to me as we walking along, he said, you know, uh, Mike, isn't it amazing here as we look around the length of the early church? Uh, went to to emphasize the denial of peter right and how right uh, and then of course later on with the lord speaking to him on the shore uh where he uh, asked him do you love me and the three reversals as it were of that but certainly um uh whether it's peter or uh, saint ignatius or any of the saints uh, we can um take great inspiration from uh the opportunity to uh, change our lives, and even if, uh, please God, we haven't had you know terrible things like that, uh, but uh, wherever we have been, the faults and failings of the normal person, is that uh, at some point uh, we can uh, have a great haha moment of uh, renewal and. Uh, Sometimes I think that does happen, uh, especially as people get older. There's an opportunity to, uh, you know, that saying uh, uh, when you get old, you can do anything you want almost, and you can certainly wear purple. So in the same way, I think uh, maybe as we get older, uh, though we shouldn't wait too long because sometimes we get too old to be able to sort it out, but uh, at a certain time uh, maybe uh, as one sort of doesn't have to prove oneself and achieve and be a success in the world and so on. You know, sometimes at some point uh, the spiritual uh, hopefully takes over and gets a stronger uh, opportunity in our lives, and we really turn ourselves more to God and things of God. uh, uh, Not that we've been necessarily that terrible, but certainly there's always an opportunity to grow and improve and, and dedicate oneself more fully to God. And hopefully that's the way all of our lives are going in that we're a little closer to God now than we were two years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. And maybe with God's grace, uh, we can look at ways in our lives to uh, improve uh, as years go by, whatever years are um, left to
1: us. Yeah, very, very, very well said. You know, you you mentioned Saint Peter. My goodness, uh, he didn't just deny Christ once; it was three times. You know, at and at, vehemently, a, yeah. at, at a at a critical and vehemently and at a critical juncture in history, <laughs> it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just uh, picking sides for basketball. You know, oh, I I don't I don't even know that guy. I don't know if he can shoot a basket or not. Oh, it was much more serious than that. Well, it was also the other
3: case in. Uh Peter's life. Remember where uh, he makes the great profession, and then Jesus uh, starts telling the disciples uh, that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and be crucified. And Peter jumps in and says, "We'll have none of that sort of talk around here. We don't need that. <laughs> right, ah, right, God forbid that anything like that would happen to you. We certainly don't want that." And then Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan! You're thinking yep. as a human being, not as God would want you." So. There were several instances, uh, and, of course, there's indications that uh, Peter, you know, the famous uh, uh, story that the Corvatus, you know, where he, in Rome even, is is, uh, running away again. And he, God, uh, Jesus speaks to him and said, where are you going? And then Peter turns around and comes back and so on. So uh, I suppose that's part of the uh, ups and downs, Bob, of all of our lives. And, and um, you know, as we know with Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta and so on, uh, she had the dark nights and uh, yes. yeah. Christians and so on. And uh, all of the saints, you know, uh, hopefully they got things right, as it were. Uh, but I'm sure if the whole story was made, who can tell? The whole story of a person's life uh, was there times when uh, there was ups and downs and uh, we see that even in modern day uh, people, priests or bishops So uh, you know that they have their great moments and on the other hand, maybe weak moments as well.
1: yeah I mean, you mean you mentioned Mother Teresa and, and when when all that came out, I guess it was her letters uh, how how dark it was. And some, some people, that uh, non-believers, I guess, or, or critics would say, aha, see? See, even she didn't believe the stuff. And you go, no, no, she did. And she persevered. She persevered. I, I think those that whole story was very inspiring. <laughs> well, I
3: almost remember many years ago, there was a uh, on TV, and it was, it was this Holocaust survivor, Jewish man, of course, and he was on about, you know, when you mentioned about believer and not believer, um, and they were talking to him about, you know, the Holocaust and all that and what he went through, and and uh, he was saying, you know, that he was so mad at God. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody said, well, then, do you mean you, so, you, so you don't believe in God then? And he looked at the report, and he said, well, that's a stupid question, he said just because I'm mad at God. He said, that does not equate to, to no. I don't believe in God. He said, that's not going to solve the problem. He said, not believing in I mean, him. He said, then even can't be mad at him if I don't believe he's there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, said, that's a, a a real definitive statement. I'm mad at God that you believe in God.
3: Yeah, yeah, you got to be mad at somebody if you're mad. You've got to be there in front of you somewhere. to get mad at them. And, of course, one of the great... Uh, development in Jewish doctrine was and, and their teaching and their understanding was uh, you know with Isaac uh, and the whole thing of wrestling with the angel and the hate situation and all that uh, and it you know that's uh, symbolic of our wrestling with with God and and job of course that's the great example of yeah. uh, wrestling with God why is God doing all this friends are telling him, this reason and that reason, and he'd say, no, it's not that. It's not that. It can't be that. It's not that. And so on, so on, so on. But there's this uh, grappling with the situation that he's in and what is God doing and uh, why is God doing this? But, you know, as Job says, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he doesn't give up even when all his children and his lands and his everything is destroyed. Uh... That's not a reason for saying, well, see, God doesn't exist. Well, of course, if all this happened, God must exist somehow. And so therefore, he's determined that he's going to find out and and seek uh, the answer with God. So I think we can all do that in our own lives as well.
1: I remember when, I think it was Time Magazine years ago, had a cover. I'm sure you remember it. And it said, is God dead? And... It was like this provocative cover for time magazine and and I think it was uh, you know during a, a sort of a decline of organized religion maybe uh you know fewer numbers, that kind of thing and it was like i th- I think it actually woke a lot of people up and said of course not, you know, but like like maybe we maybe we should be uh more religious, more uh you know into our faith, more you know. Uh, concentrating on God instead of ourselves, but it was it was a provocative cover.
3: Speaking of that cover, I think there was also on uh, Time Magazine, or one of those magazines, anyway, there was a famous Anglican Archbishop called John A. Robinson. Mm-hmm. I think he was an Englishman, and he was very much uh, sort of in a way watering down or explaining away a lot of the things you know, that are sort of problematic or difficult in in the faith and so on. And um, uh, the heading was John A. Robinson is very happy with his God. <laughs> is God happy with John A. Robinson? <laughs> so I think that was a question we always have to ask ourselves is, you know, just because we're happy and think we are know everything and taking care of everything, uh, we've had to ask ourselves well God, happening with what I'm doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a question. Many times we don't really want to ask ourselves, do we? Uh, do we? <laughs> like, am I really doing what the Lord wants me to be doing? Uh,
3: yeah, seeking the will of God uh, is an enormously important thing. Though I think uh, in many cases uh, it's easier to determine than uh, than people. You know, you can drive yourself crazy about it, too, and uh, I don't think God wants us to be in a situation where we are uh, uh, so scrupulous and so mixed up in a way that we're we're doubting. I mean, you know, in, for instance, in your own case there, you know, maybe God is calling you to leave everything and go to China or something yeah, right. to preach the gospel, but most likely he has given you your wife and family and he's giving you this Bishop's hour to evangelize really, uh, right here in Sacramento and mm-hmm. wherever the Bishop's hour is heard, uh, on YouTube or God knows where. And other ways in which you, I know, uh, uh, give up your services to, uh, MC, the various dinners, like, uh, uh, for charities and other things, you know, so, uh, it's likely that um, God is uh, calling you to that will. I mean, uh, the will of God for me, it seems, is to be available to the bishop in whatever capacity I can be to in obedience and respect to uh, serve. And if he has a great need to, for me to do something in you know, wherever, uh, if I can. Uh, now, if I can't, I mean, if he asks me to go to uh far away but i can't do it this week because i have commitments here and of course so, so the will of god uh, i think if we open ourselves to it is generally in the circumstances of our lives and there's a great saying in church that um, grace builds on nature
1: hmm.
3: grace builds on nature and um, uh, that would probably suggest that you know the gifts that you have. God wants is building on those who have you use those. I mean, He's not uh, uh, going to ask you to, you know, lead an opera or to right, right. uh, sing. You know, with uh, uh, be the uh, soloist at the cathedral next Sunday because maybe that's not your ability to sing. But on the other hand, there are other people. Like the wonderful people we have there uh, that can sing, and so God is calling them to do the will of God for them is to is to do that um, in the, with the talents they have, and you with the talents you have for speaking and inviting people and uh, you know sharing the good news in that way. So I think if our people uh, could take some consolation in that uh, in your marriage in your uh, work, I mean again if you're And this is one of the great, um, I think one of the challenges we have and one of the mistakes we've made a little bit uh, in that uh, I was just reading the other day a wonderful uh, talk that Bishop Wiegand gave way back 20 years ago now on um, uh, lay people uh, living the gospel and putting it into practice in their daily life Mm. and that there's all sorts of good spiritual things that people do but let's say that you were a bank manager, or let's say you're a teacher, or let's say you're a policeman, or let's say you're a judge. Uh, you know, I think of, for instance, Judge Mai, Uh right. for example. Well, if you're say we pick on a judge, if you're a judge, then that you go every day and you use the law, but you also bring as much compassion as you can, and you take the whole picture into account, and you have to apply the law, of course, because the way it is but you also uh, can bring a lot of compassion to your courtroom. And same as a teacher, you may not be able to speak about Jesus per se in uh, all the school classroom, but on the other hand, if you go there with great kindness and listen to your students and talk to them and uh, help them with their issues and so on, uh, then that's probably the will of God for you. Uh, I was... uh, I don't know, you You probably have heard, or if you happen, you will soon hear, that uh, the great former abbot of New Clairvaux, mm-hmm. Father Thomas Davis, is celebrating 90 years, as, uh, 90 years, his birthday, celebrating his 90th birthday coming up. Wow. And they're going to have a huge gathering for him and celebrate that with the Abbey of New Tervo up in Vina. And um, I was visiting with him uh, not too long ago, and we were serious in one way and joking another way. It was a wonderful conversation for an hour or more uh, there at his uh, in the chapel. And uh, he was telling how uh, he was a young Cistercian. Uh, the monastery in Kentucky. right? And uh, I think he's actually a native of the Northeastern, but somehow he was in Kentucky, and at that Abbey. And so he's there with, of all people, Thomas Merchant. Oh, wow. At that time. And so he's young, and uh, he probably was mid-20s at most. And so uh, the abbot said, Uh, I'm sending you, and I think it was four or five others, to uh, California to start a new uh, monastery in a place called Vina in Northern California. Wow. And he said, I said no to the abbot. (laughs) Now, it's one thing to say no to the bishop, but to say no to the abbot is just not done. Right. You don't say no to the (laughs) abbot. Well, he said no to the abbot. And so things rested a little bit. He did said he, he said he did talk to Merton about it, and Merton said, that's not good for anybody, saying no to the abbot. <laughs> said, it's not good for you, Thomas, Dr. Ravitch. But anyway, he goes, uh, so of course the abbot was wise, and so he let things sit a little while. And about a month or six weeks later, he comes in to Thomas and another Young monk, and he said, uh, "Sama, here's the ticket for you and the date and all. Everything is ready for you to fly to California." Wow! <laughs> to join the others who already have gone by train. So you don't say no to the other So anyway, uh, okay, 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 uh, and so they fly the two of them, and. Uh, this sort of maybe will help people to understand how God works, because he's picked up at the airport, and the fella picking them up decides to a little bit of time to show them around, and as he does so, he um, uh, points out to them as they're driving along somewhere in San Francisco. He said, you "See all those rocks over there? Those stones?" He said, "Probably don't mean a lot to you." He said, "But look at those." He said, "Those are actually." stones that were brought over here from a right. 12th century Cistercian monastery. Wow. And they immediately Thomas Davis uh, just gets a slap upside the head, and he realizes, oh, I will get those stones to Vina, yep. and they will be part of, they will form the new chapel.
1: They were like in Golden Gate Park or something, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah.
3: And so it took forever, but he kept going and going and going, working through, you know, city and counties and all these other things you have to do. And, of course, if you all ever get a chance to go up to Vina, you can see a lot of those stones. And there's actually one or two I saw them myself just the other day uh, where some guy, some person, back in the 12th century, Put a big, like, cut into one of the stones, and that cut is still there. Wow. And what that guy did has lasted. That cut is, i in that stone uh, all those centuries. So if he had not uh, said no to the abbot, he would have come with the rest of the crowd, and they would never have come to a They
1: wouldn't ago. have seen. That's exactly right.
3: Yeah. And he wouldn't have been inspired. And then he took it. And so it's not a suggestion when you should say no to God or the bishop or to the abbot or to anybody else. But sometimes, even as we saw with Peter and others and Ignatius, uh, the mistakes you make and the the thing you didn't do, God actually will work with you and maybe call you to something even greater. Indeed. And undo the stupid thing you did. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that. That into a, a blessing.
1: Father, we are against the clock here. We're going to have to get you back on real, real soon if if your schedule will permit. Well, if it's the will of God. Yes.
3: We will do that.
1: You can't anytime, say. It's
3: always a joy to be with you and your listeners. God bless you
1: all. Oh, It's always a joy to be with you, too, Father. God bless you, too. And we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Anytime thanks Amen. father that's uh, father Michael Kiernan uh, just a, a, a gem uh, a, a diamond here in the uh, diocese of Sacramento so just yeah just wonderful wonderful stuff uh, well we're, we're uh, okay we are uh, <laughs> having a little technical difficulty here I think the, the, we're back up now uh, remember uh, ministry days Uh on saturday uh go to ministrydays.com to sign up to read about all the workshops to read about the keynote speakers of course it includes a mass with the bishop soto there's also lunch which is really a great time to uh, network with a, a lot of people as well and it's just a, a wonderful wonderful event seeing you know at times i've been uh, I found it to be a, a real shot in the arm for our Catholic faith. You know, for my Catholic faith, uh, to see all these people, from all walks of life, coming together to to share the faith, to share their experiences with the faith, to share their wisdom with the faith. Um, it's really really uh, important stuff. I was telling you about this this book, uh, uh, the wisdom of the saints. That before we started talking with Father Karen, and it's just it's just wonderful. To uh, go through, there's a quote from a saint on each day. June 26, the Eucharist. Saint Pope Pius X. The surest, easiest, shortest way is the Eucharist. Uh, just I, I highly, highly recommend it. 365 days of inspiration with an introduction by Matthew Kelly. Uh, the Wisdom of the Saints uh, from dynamiccatholic.com. You can go to that too, to get this book. And it's, it's worth doing. You can, you can just go, th- go through it every single day in September, every single day in October, on and on. Uh, really good book. Another really good book that I've, uh, has been sent our way, The Dazzling Light of God, uh, Madeline DeBell uh, Reader. Really, really good stuff. Well, we are pleased uh, to welcome in uh, Martha Haig. Martha, good day to you.
2: Hi, hi, how are you? Uh,
1: doing good. You're a, a brand new uh, uh, hire here at the Diocese of Sacramento.
2: Well, I'm back. I, w- I, worked. Back, I yes. was off for about three years, so I'm back. We, we missed Part-time. you. We missed you. <laughs> and I came back, and right in time for ministry days.
1: <laughs> yes. Are, are you going to be presenting at ministry days?
2: No, no, just helping
1: out. Just helping out. Yeah. Yes. That's ministry days is such it's 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 a lot of you know beyond everything else it's it's actually a lot of fun too to meet all to meet fun. all those people and I really enjoy like at lunchtime when you can kind of network with people and say hey I was at your workshop uh, wanted to ask you a question didn't have time you know and and you sit down and share a bite to eat and and talk to people and of course holy mass with bishop soto um what what will be your your role here in the diocese
2: so on friday deacon kevin asked me to shepherd our lay people or, or catechists or staff members of parishes for the retreat because that's going to be something different the school will have their in service right. So friday's going to be a retreat day for right. for anybody so he just asked me to shepherd along that I'm actually going to be shepherding the group in Spanish. So we'll have that that retreat in both English and Spanish.
1: Are you are you uh, familiar with shepherding? Have you
2: <laughs> <laughs> we do that all the time. parents, was good Ministry indeed. leaders.
1: <laughs> yes indeed. Yes indeed. And then <clears throat> Will you be coming back to the diocese on a regular basis?
2: I'm just working part time, uh-huh. so my role um, I'm replacing just part of Teresa Donan's position as the coordinator of family and faith formation. I'm uh-huh. just supporting the DREs and CREs of the parish.
1: Very good, very good. So,
2: yeah.
1: And what was your what was your role uh, when you left three years ago?
2: Well, it was that plus more, so when Deacon offered me a position, he he said I could, he knew I didn't want to go back full-time, so he said, what part of the job do you want? And there's so many great coordinators and directors of religious education at the parishes that they're all, we're all our friends, and it's a good support system, so that was my choice to just do that part.
1: Very good. Tell us a little bit about your past for those who have not met you.
2: So... I was off for three years, so I worked there for about three years in the Office of Family and Faith Formation with, with Deacon Kevin and supporting parishes and doing a lot of um, different formations just in helping in any way. So this time I'm just coming back part-time two days a week, well, 16 hours a week.
1: So do you have good tires on your car? It's a big diocese. <laughs>
2: I don't have to do the North State. We have Renee doing the North right. State. <laughs> so,
1: it's, yes. It's, it's, I'm just always blown away every time I look at the map of Northern California. I have, a, I have a map of California with, it's divided into the counties. It's very hard to find a map like that. And I found yes. one. And each county's different color, you know. And uh, it's just, and I go, wow. There's 58 counties in California, and 20 of them are in the diocese of Sacramento. Yeah,
2: the big diocese. Yes, but, a lot to cover.
1: Big and diverse, and uh, yes, I mean, I mean we're all we're all Catholic, but boy, there's there's real diversity in in the the makeup, if you will, of of a uh, one parish uh, way up north or way east or way west, and and another one here, say in Sacramento or in Redding, it's just or Vallejo, it's uh, it, the diversity of this diocese, both the diversity of the people, but also the diversity of the geography. You know, the diversity right. of the climate. Uh, right. we, we have, uh, you know, salt water on one end, and we have. Uh, Six hundred inches of snow on the other end. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it's just—it's sort of, have it all. It's—it's—it's it's, it's fascinating, and I—I I, yeah. I love this. Diocese. When I travel, I try to in as many towns as possible, especially with my family, uh, to go find the church. You know, yeah. but, and sometimes it's almost a game, especially if you go in a little town. Okay, yeah. find the church because I think, especially with historic churches. They have they have a historic place in most of these towns, yeah. y- you know, and it's it's I, I know I know Roseville has Church Street. So that's, a, that's, that's a, right. you know, but but uh, most towns don't. But you can kind of s- my dad was really good at that. You know, He this is long before we had, uh, you know, people on the phone that could tell us, OK, take a right here, you know, Um but he could he could find a Catholic church in a little town in Idaho, you know, that he'd never yep. been in before. He just he just knew knew where they were, and it's it's really fun to. Uh, I remember going in a little town of Maxwell, which I think is Colusa County, and oh my goodness, it's a church that's over a hundred years old, and it's kind of on the edge of town, uh, not very far from the center of town to the edge of town. It's it's only a town of about three or four blocks, but. Maybe five or six, and and walking into that church and going, wow! Somebody, somebody placed that stone here 100, 105 years ago, 110 years yeah. ago. You know, it's just uh, the 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 church in Marysville. You know, that looks like almost like a mini cathedral. Um, yes. You know, just all these beautiful, each one, and some of the little mission churches, Saint Bernard's and Volcano. You know, it's just I remember going there with my kids, and they. They liked the church, but they kept worrying about the name of this town, it was Volcano. You know, like, like, Dad, we better get out of here. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very wonderful diocese. I, I just yeah. uh, would, would not want to be anyplace else.
2: That's um, true. That's it, the fun part of the job, going out to visit the churches and the people of the parishes. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, Martha, welcome back. Thank well, you. We we love having you back, and uh, I hope you'll be no stranger to this program.
2: All right. Thank you. Just encourage everybody to register before next Thursday because the price goes up $10 at the door. So it's $60 right now. So register at uh, ministrydays.com.
1: Very good. Thanks so much, Martha. Take care. Thank
2: you so much. Yeah, you take. yeah God
1: bless. That's uh, Martha Haig, who is... Uh, uh, coming back to the Diocese of Sacramento after a uh, 3 years absence. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King. Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Pastors Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, Enriching Lives in the Sacramento Region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in Health Care, Education, Housing, and the Care for the Poor and Elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916 851 2700. That's 916-851-2700, and you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. <laughs>
2: Já e